You ever feel like things are just a little bit difficult and you need to restart? That's where we're going today. My name is Will, and I'm the pastor at Kern Church, and I'm so thankful that you've decided to join us for worship online today. I pray that this service is a blessing in your life, that you feel closer to God and, and perhaps closer to someone else. If you're joining us on social, I hope that you'll say hello in the comments. Let us know you're here, and let us know any prayer requests that you may have in your life. And if this service is meaningful, please press the share button. Share it with your friends and your families so that they too can experience the same grace that you experience. Today, we're celebrating Holy Communion. This is a chance for the people that follow after the way of Jesus to, to experience God in a real powerful way. So if you want to celebrate communion with us, we'll do this towards the end of the service. And all you need is to define bread or some sort of bread, perhaps a cracker, and then juice or some perhaps wine to use as we celebrate with, with the bread and the cup, Holy Communion. It's a way that God speaks to us. I also want to share that our fall programming is starting up here at the church. We're beginning our Faith and Family Wednesday night suppers. These will begin September 14th. I hope that you'll consider joining us for these. You can find, uh, to learn more, you can call the church office and, and check us out and to see how you can get connected to join in fellowship together. I also want to let you know that Trunk or Treat, even though it's just the beginning of September, October is coming, and that means Halloween, and, and our church is hosting a, a Trunk or Treat this year on October 30th. And what we need from you, we need candy donations. And so if you're in the Oak Ridge community or you're close to us, please consider donating candy uh, to help help us give out and bless the people of our community. It's a small way that, that you can participate in the ministries of the church with us. Well, right now, I want to say a prayer as we join in worship together. Holy God, I pray that you would bless those who are worshiping with us today, that you will touch their hearts, and that you will help them have a close an encounter with you and, and, and that your spirit will move in them so that they can respond to your love in their lives. I give this all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to let you know that if you are, are like me, I, I got a question. And since you're joining us online, perhaps you're watching on a smartphone. But if you're like me, you rely on your smartphone to do a lot of things. I mean, it, it's a GPS. It's a, it's a map. It's, it's a newspaper. It finds restaurants. It helps you spend money under the guise of saving money. It connects you with, with other people. And it can even make phone calls in a pinch. But sometimes when, when things don't quite work right and they work the way they should, the phone just starts shutting down it maybe it becomes unresponsive and you start you know you start poking it a bunch thinking that if you just poke a little bit harder it might work just a little bit better or or you start yelling Siri 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 and thinking that your yells will wake them up but the phone continues to not wake up I mean it's strange it doesn't listen to you when it's tired and so what do you do well you turn it off you press the power button, or perhaps yours has a, a different way of shutting it down, and you, you shut the phone down and wait a few moments, and then you turn it back on. Turn it off, turn it back on. You restart it, and then things start to work. Things start to begin, and maybe it takes a while for it to set up and, and to start kind of kicking into gear, but, but pretty soon things are working at least a bit better you know, to me, it's kind of amazing that restarting an electronic device will fix, you know, perhaps most problems. 
I mean, evidently rebooting your device cleans up memory and, and can help fix issues with connected devices such as printers and modems and routers. You'll have to talk to a good IT person on why this works. But whatever the case, it does wonders for devices. Now, while a good restart does wonders for your phone and internet devices, do you ever just feel like you need one of those for yourself? Like you are the one that, that needs the restart in life, that, that you are the one who needs to, to reboot your systems. This is why we're beginning a new message series called Restart at Kern Church. Restart, it's a chance to reevaluate, to remember, and to restart for the season ahead. While we're uh, officially not quite in fall, it sure feels like things are beginning to restart. We've had some cooler days. I've especially enjoyed cooler mornings, walking kids to the bus stops and evenings being outside. Pools have closed or are closing. And of course, our children are, are back at school and have been for quite some time. And football season has already started. I mean, in the midst of the season of change, in the midst of the season of change, it can be an especially good time for you and for me to reevaluate what we are doing, to remember the things that are important, and to restart in ways that are helpful, a blessing, and life-giving. So as we begin this message series today, we are going to focus on something that can get a little bit tricky and can cause you know, a lot of stress and maybe even some heartburn. We are going to focus on relationships, especially relationships where things can be strained a little bit. And to help us do this, I want to share with you a letter from Paul. And Paul was this early church leader who wrote a lot to a lot of different people. And, and this, this letter that I want to share with you today is about a strange relationship and the hard work that went into reconciling it. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along in your own Bible, the passage is from Philemon. Now Philemon is one of those parts of the Bible that you, you'll miss if you're fumbling through your, through your Bible too quick because it's not even like has multiple chapters. It has 20, I think 25 verses. And so Philemon is, is just a small letter in the Bible that, that has no chapters. But the whole letter, the whole letter is about a relationship, a relationship that's important. So let's take a look, beginning at verse 1, where we read this. From Paul, who is a prisoner for the cause of Christ Jesus and our brother Timothy. To Philemon, our dearly loved co-worker, Aphila, our sister, Acrippus, our fellow soldier, and the church that meets in your house. May the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Philemon, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers because I've heard of your love and faithfulness, which you have both for the Lord Jesus and for all the God's people. And I pray that your partnership in the faith might become effective by an understanding of all that is good among us in Christ. I have great joy and encouragement because of your love, since the hearts of God's people are refreshed by your actions, my brother. So here we have a letter. Here we have a letter written by this guy named Paul, mainly to Philemon, uh, who Paul describes as his brother, right? 
But also uh, addressed in the letter are Aphila and Acrippus and, and the church that meets in Philemon's home. Much of, of what we call the New Testament, that's the, the, the parts of the Bible that, that are towards the end, much of what we call the New Testament is composed of letters similar to Philemon. And, and most of these letters, I want you to know that even if they're written to one or two people, they were not intended to be private communications from one person to another. Instead, the letter was written to to be addressed first to the person, but also to, to be read in the whole assembly of the gathered congregation. So the church would meet and, 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 and somebody would come forward and read the letter so that all could hear. In this context, we'll find that this probably puts a little bit of pressure on the recipient. Well, from the introduction of the letter, we learn that Philemon is a person of some means. He, he has some wealth because because there is a church that meets in his home. And if you don't know anything about homes, um, you kind of have to have a certain size home to be comfortable to have a lot of people in it. So Philemon has the size home that would accommodate having house guests, that would accommodate people being over. And while this is not always the case, you can fit a lot of people into a barn, but while, while this is not always the case, oftentimes having a little bit of means or having some wealth goes with having a larger home. And so Philemon is able to host people and to, to have enough means to host gatherings in his home. We also learn that Paul is, is writing this letter from prison. See, Paul will eventually die because of his faith in Jesus Christ. But right now, because of, of how faithful he is and how he comes in conflict with the government because of his faith, he is in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus. Anyways, then, then after the opening greetings, Paul directly addresses Philemon with warmth and genuine affection. Paul talks about how he knows of Philemon's genuine Christian faith and of his love and his generosity to bless the ministry of God and the followers of Jesus. Paul knows that Philemon has a reputation and that he is one who shows love and faithfulness in how he lives. And in the last thing, that the last way that, that Paul describes him in verse 7 is that Paul says that Philemon is his brother. I mean, as you're beginning to see, you're beginning to see at the beginning of this letter, it is very personal. It's written and meant to be read with, in front of everybody that's addressed but it's a very personal letter. I mean, the reason for this is that the Christian faith is a very personal thing. The Christian faith, the faith that Paul writes to, to Philemon about, it's a very personal faith. In the writings of the New Testament, we find that when, when people follow after the way of Jesus, they are considered family. You are, are adopted as part of God's family. You're brought into the household of God. You're made one with other people that are considered brothers and sisters in faith. I mean, you become a part of the body of faith. And in some churches, even today, people will describe their fellow church members, people they go to church with as, as brother so-and-so or, or sister so-and-so. Of course, everybody knows that they're not really brother and sister. And I mean, generally, you don't call your brother brother so-and-so you just call them by their name but but in church this is used as kind of this title this honorific to say this person I love this person so much they are my brother 
I love this person so much. She is as close to me as a sister, in some cases even closer. I mean, the foundation of this deep relationship and concern is so, so powerful. It talks about the personal nature of faith in Christ and, and how it brings people together in the family of God. The foundation of deep relationship and concern is the preface to a hard conversation that Paul is about to have with Philemon. He butters them up, so to speak. He, he reminds them of how they are brothers in Christ, and then he's setting them up to have a difficult, to have a difficult conversation. You and I both know that when you care deeply for someone, when you care deeply for someone, and, and you have a, a deep concern for them that is difficult, it, it can be hard. It can be hard to have a conversation. Sometimes there's something that, that comes between two people who are very close and it threatens to perhaps break the relationship in your family or with close friends or even at your church. And, and so what, what, what Paul is doing, he, he is having a hard conversation over something that could break a relationship. And that's what we're about to see here. That person you might remember that you used to be close with but you haven't seen them in quite a while. Or maybe someone that you used to be close with, with church, at church, but you haven't seen them in a couple years, and, and you're at that kind of awkward stage that you don't know what to say or, or where they are. Sometimes there's, there has, there's been so much time that goes by that, that you've neglected reaching out to someone, so it can kind of feel strange to, to call them from out of the blue because you don't know what to do. And that's kind of what's going on, I think, in this letter. There's this awkward thing that they're about to encounter. Or perhaps uh, you heard that someone was mad at you for doing something or, or for thinking that you did something. Or, or maybe you, a person that you used to have lunch with, but you saw them online. I mean, we're online, right? And, and the, the way that they act online is different from in person. And they share things online that, that are different from you politically. And so you start thinking that they're like all those other people who are different from you politically. And, and you're not sure that you can even talk to them anymore. Or that person who, who thinks differently than you about COVID and masking and and you aren't even sure that you could even be friends anymore. I mean, all these things kind of play into place, and, and they all threaten to divide otherwise like close relationships. And there are multiple reasons why relationships break. And when you find yourself on, on another side of someone you used to have a deep relationship with, it's often hard to know what to do. And I want you to know that this is not unlike what Paul is, is probably feeling in writing to Philemon, a person he describes as a brother but you see, Philemon is a prominent person. But not only is there a prominent person, and not only does he have a church meeting in his house, Philemon is also an enslaver. And, and, and slavery is this deep and, 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 and hard thing to deal with. For Americans, slavery is it's a deep and, and terribly sinful part of our, of our nation's really recent history. Uh, and then slavery in the ancient world was different than slavery in, in the American, uh, in American history, especially in the American South. But, but slavery in the ancient world was an accepted part of society. In ancient Rome, many people were forced into slavery for, for different reasons, for economic reasons, for political reasons, often for war. It's important to note that the slavery during ancient Rome did not have the kind of terrible racism that was the basis of slavery in America in the early modern period. 
Our, our nation is still crippled under the pain of this racism that continues to rear its ugly head like the most malignant cancer. But slavery during Roman times, it didn't have the same racist and racism undertones. That didn't mean it was nice. That didn't mean it was better. That didn't mean it was kinder. In fact, it just meant it was different, a different form of oppression. So while Paul was in prison, why am I talking about slavery, right? While Paul was in prison, a man named Onesimus had, come, had become close to Paul. And not only had he become close to Paul, he started to kind of help Paul while Paul was in prison and Paul started speaking to him. And Onesimus accepted the faith of Jesus. He became a Christian and he was helping Paul while Paul was in prison. And, and this would have all been great and wonderful, but the whole wrinkle in all this is that Onesimus is also a slave who was enslaved by Philemon. Now, under Roman law, Onesimus is considered the property of Philemon. And he doesn't even have the right to legal personhood. I mean, they, 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 the, the whole rights of slaves in ancient Rome, they're almost basically non-existent. Yet somehow, Onesimus has found his way to Paul. Now, we don't really know how or or why Onesimus was with Paul. But from what comes next, it makes me think, perhaps, that, that he had run away from his enslaver, that Onesimus had run away from Philemon, who's supposedly this great guy and somebody who really loves Jesus. See, something had happened while Onesimus had been with Paul, and he becomes convinced of the goodness of Jesus and becomes a Christian. And if you remember when you're a follower of Jesus, you become a part of the family of God with other followers of Jesus. Sisters and brothers, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, you become close, you become one, you become on the same level with others. So it becomes a problem for Onesimus and for Paul and Philemon that Onesimus is still considered a slave. And Paul has options on how to proceed. I mean, the easiest thing for, for Paul to have done was to do nothing. I mean, even though there's a problem in the relationship, it would be easier to just forget about it and pretend everything was okay or at least ignore it. I mean, this would avoid an awkward encounter and it would avoid an uncomfortable situation. I mean, have you ever made a decision to, to sacrifice a good relationship with someone because you wanted to avoid an awkward or difficult conversation? Have you ever sacrificed a, a friendship with someone that you haven't talked to in years because you were just scared to to pick up the phone or even say hello. I mean, that was the first option Paul had. You see, Paul knows that the relationship is too important not to do something. It is with this in mind that Paul does the hard thing, and he writes to Philemon. Paul decides that the relationship he has with Philemon and Onesimus is too important to neglect. He is so resolved to do the hard thing and the right thing and to have a difficult conversation. So here's what comes next in verse 8. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to command you to do the right thing, I would rather appeal to you through love. I, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith during my time in prison. He was useless to you before, but now he is useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, which is like sending you my own heart. 
I considered keeping him with me so that he might serve me in your place during my time in prison because of the gospel. However, I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your act of kindness would occur willingly and not under pressure. Maybe this is the reason that Onesimus was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. That is, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially a dearly loved brother to me. How much more can he become a brother to you personally and spiritually in the Lord? So, if you really consider me a partner, welcome Onesimus as if you were welcoming me. If he has harmed you in any way or owes you money, charge it back on my account. I, Paul, will pay it back to you. I'm writing this with my own hand. Of course, I won't mention that you owe me your life. Yes, brother. I want this favor from you in the Lord. Refresh, refresh my heart in Christ. I'm writing to you confident of your obedience and knowing that you will do more than what I asked. Now, here Paul is asking hard things of two people. First, he is asking a hard thing of Onesimus. I mean, Onesimus was someone who was enslaved and is being asked to walk back to the one who was his enslaver. He is, he, for whatever reason, he's separated from this encounter and from this relationship, but Onesimus is being asked to walk back to someone who did him harm. Onesimus had enough faith in Jesus and in his father in faith, Paul, to listen to this guidance and to go about the hard and, and awkward and stressful work of trying to, to reconcile a relationship. And then we also have Philemon, and he is asked to give up his Roman rights. I mean, these are rights held on high by the government. He is asked to give up his Roman rights of collecting a debt and punishing a slave. He's being asked to give up his rights that he has by right in society in favor of the rights that are free to all in the house of God. He's, he's being asked to give up his, his, basically his civil rights instead for the rights that are due all in the household of God. He's being asked to, to bear with, with the awkward and difficult conversation and welcome someone that he used to claim ownership over, not as a slave, but as an equal, as a brother in the faith. And friends, I want you to know that Paul did not come up with this idea on his own. The, the, this value placed on deep relationships and reconciling relationships this is something that Jesus taught his followers about when Jesus was around. I want to share with you one more scripture passage. And this one comes from, from what Matthew wrote about the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 23. And I'm reading this, this time from the message translation. And these are the words of Jesus. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters, he says. If you enter the place of worship and about to make an offering, and you suddenly remember a grudge that you have against a friend or a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend, and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. 
Or, or say you're, you're out in the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. I mean, after all, if you leave the, the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even in jail. If this happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. So, so one of the things I just love about what Jesus says here in Matthew and about what Paul's letter says is that unequivocally, unequivocally, relationships are important. Even relationships that are strained, even relationships that have gone stale. Jesus writes of an old enemy, relationships are important. And maybe there is no time better than now to restart your relationship. To think about, think about that person that you've been avoiding or to think about that person that you've been thinking about and, and wondering what they're up to. Maybe it's time to think about that person that you used to see in worship but aren't sure where they are today and call them or, or send them a note. I mean, the buildup to, to actually making contact with someone is often much worse than actually having a conversation with them. Sometimes this is not the case, I, I will admit, but, but, but the love of Jesus Christ says that relationships are important. The love of Jesus Christ says that relationships are vital to, to building a loving community that uplifts and, and supports one another. This is why Paul has the hard conversation and, and asks others to do the hard work of, of restarting their relationships, of reconciling. So as we begin this new message series about restarting for the new season ahead, I want to encourage you to think about one relationship, just, just one relationship, one person that you, you miss seeing, one person that you used to eat lunch with, one person that you haven't heard from in a long while, and just reach out to them. Risk an awkward conversation. Risk restarting a relationship and see how God will use you to bless, to bless that relationship. Let's pray. God, I thank you for something like relationships. How, how these are, are instruments of your grace, how you remind us time and again that relationships are important. So I pray for each one who is joining us today that, that you will bless their hearts and connect them to you and help them reconnect to those that they're estranged from. Help heal the bonds that have kept apart and help mend broken fences so that people can experience your life-changing love, even in the midst of an awkward, difficult conversation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, one of the great ways that God brings us together as, as the family of God, is reconciling, is around the, the meal of Holy Communion. And if you have communion elements where you are, I invite you to get them out at this time and and, and remind you of the story of what's going on here. You see, Jesus in, in, it was the one who brought people together, who, who reconciled broken things, and, and, and people didn't really like this. And so Jesus was going to a place that he knew his life would end. And before he did that, he met with his followers in a room together. And if you have bread, I invite you to lift it up. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And so when the followers of Jesus this day eat the bread that, that he has blessed, that is blessed and that is given, we receive his presence. And then Jesus took a cup 
poured out wine and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. And so this, this cup, this cup is drunk. And as you drink it, you receive the very presence and blessing of Jesus, reconciling and bringing relationships together. So I invite you now to pray with me. Most holy God, I pray that you move across space and time and this place and wherever people are and bless these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. We have this promise of feasting at your heavenly table with people that look different from us, with people that speak differently, with people that think differently, but with people that are united in a reconciling relationship through your son, Jesus Christ. So I ask that you bless each one who is here, that as they receive the bread and the cup, that they receive your presence, reconciling them to you and one another. This is the bread of Christ given for you. Taste and eat. This is the cup of salvation poured out for you and for many. Drink and receive the grace of Jesus. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today at Kern Church Online. I pray this has been a time of blessing in your life. I pray that you have, have identified that one person that you really, that God's really put on your heart to reach out to, to, to try to mend a relationship that might have gone stale, to really restart. And I hope that you'll join us next week as we continue this journey and, and really try to figure out what it does mean to, to restart, to get your life ready for the season ahead. I want you to know that I'm praying for you, and I know that you will be blessed, and I know that you will grow closer to God. So I do hope you'll join us next week, and, and, and I hope that you're able to perhaps join us in person at, at 9 o'clock or 11 here in Oak Ridge if you're local. And I know that God will bless you in the midst of that. And, and, and I want you to know, that above all, God loves you and gives you opportunity to share that love with others. Go in the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.